Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 216. Have you requested your seven-day free version of the Positive Productivity Planner yet? If not, I want to encourage you to go over to thekimsutton.com forward slash 7DP and pick up your copy today. This free version of the planner is going to help get you on track of leading a more positive and productive personal and professional life. Again, you can get your copy at thekimsutton.com forward slash 7DP. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I'm so happy that you are here to join me today, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to our guests, Patrick and Sam Cullinane. Patrick and Sam are authors and owners of Bigger Love. Welcome, you two. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Can you please share a little bit about your journey and how you started Bigger Love with the listeners? Yeah, no problem. Um, it's it's more of our journey is basically a tale of two different decades. First 10 years of our marriage, we kind of fumbled through it, didn't really have any of the right tools in place, weren't necessarily seeking the right tools. And um, it ended with basically me moving out about a month before our 10 year anniversary. And we were separated for almost a full year. When I, signed I even signed the, t- the papers and sent them back to her. Yeah, we signed divorce papers. But uh, we pulled the nose up, and and the, we were able to do that because we both discovered, uh, you know, near the end that that we'd kind of owned a lot of our shit through that year that we were apart. Stuff that you know we were bringing to the table that wasn't helping our relationship work, and we were ready to get rid of it. And uh, that that enabled us to get back together, and then in the second decade of our marriage, we've, we've also spent a lot of time kind of figuring out how we can continue to level up and get better and better at our relationship and in our relationship. So a lot of people ask us for advice about relationships since that has been our journey and we decided to write a book about it. And there you go. Bigger love. Bigger love. Without getting too personal, what, what were some of the things that you had to leave behind in order to get back together successfully? And what were some of the biggest shifts that you made? For me, um, the biggest shift that I had to make was prioritizing our marriage. Um, I always thought of my job being my first responsibility because I made most of the money and felt like um, that was the most important thing to be able to provide for my family. It also ended up sort of being an excuse, I think. Um, And then the kids always got the next, you know, they were my next priority. So job number one, kids number two, and Patrick got whatever was left. And so I had to, I had to change that. That, that doesn't make for a successful marriage. (laughs) Yeah. And we we were in two completely different places, but um, that, that was largely one of my biggest issues was that, you know, she, she really couldn't tell in the beginning when we split up that her job was consuming her and it affected you know her as a mom and and definitely more so even her as a 
as a wife and um but she didn't really care so on my side though uh that the things that probably exacerbated that or or made it even worse is I used to have insecurity issues and I get jealous of a lot of the she'd spend you know weeks at a time traveling with four men that she worked with and then you know they'd be up until the wee smalls in somebody's hotel room working on deadlines and all that and so I'd uh I'd used to I'd get jealous and then kind of ask really stupid questions and stuff when she got back and so I had to get rid of the insecurity side that was a big one for me I also had to focus on uh I you know something I learned later into it is that I need to focus on things I have control over, not things I don't have control over. So it's step one with AA and all kinds of other different groups out there. But it's something we've all heard a thousand times in our lives, but it didn't really resonate for me until we were apart. And I realized that I only have control over so much. So I got to quit worrying about the rest and letting it affect me. So that was another big one for me. Anyway, I got to the point where I knew I would be happy either with or without her. And I was just in a really good place. And I think she saw that, recognized that, and was like, wow, that's that's a new look. That's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> that's fabulous. And I, Sam, I've just realized in the past couple weeks, I, I'm almost embarrassed to admit that it's just been the last couple weeks that I am guilty of doing the same to my husband. Yeah. My work first, the kids second. Cooking is nowhere on the radar because I burn everything I try to oh, make. Yep, that was me. But he is definitely becoming, he, yeah, he's definitely been coming in way down. And it's so unfair because he is my rock. Like he's there through anything. And Patrick, I can't even, like it would, I understand your concern completely about when Sam would be away. And if. Like at the event that we met at, my husband was concerned, you know, who who are you going to be with? But there was just no way that I was going to be in a hotel room with, with, well, just men. <laughs> I've, it, it just wouldn't have happened if we were going to meet. Because I've been in so many compromising situations in the past. Like I just didn't, I didn't want to be in that place. Like my husband's my one and only. It's just not going to happen. I don't want to hear the questions after. Right. And I didn't even want to think about the possibility. Yeah. So how did bigger love come to be? Well, it's it basically it's a in a nutshell, it's it we kind of tell a little bit about our story in there and then we we look back on the the whole thing and, and I think the reason a lot of people that are on the verge keep coming to us and saying, You guys ended up not getting divorced, what'd you do? So um there's all these tips, tools, tricks, hacks, things that we've learned in the last 10 years that we wish we would have had in the first 10 years, because we don't feel like had we known what we know now, we never would have had that, that mid marriage crisis. So bigger loves about that. It's about helping other people avoid the pitfalls that, that we've had in our marriage and, and how to have the love of their life for the rest of their life. I do want to ask just because of my first marriage, what would you have to say to somebody who is in a, abusive relationship i was mine was mentally it wasn't physically get it are yeah just what would be your advice uh i don't know 
Yeah, I think it's hard for us. I mean, we're we're not psychologists. We haven't, you know, read a thousand relationship books. All of our all of the insight we have in our book is really about what we've learned as a couple. Um, so I don't know if we are in an, any position to really tell people, but my first instinct is to stay, is to get out. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know absolutely. if that's the right answer, but I, I don't. Yeah, I just actually that's my response too. But I just wanted to make sure I wasn't like contradicting anything. Um, so listeners, in your if you're in an abusive relationship, we're not saying that this is going to work for you. You have to protect yourself. Yes. Mentally and physically and, and not just yourself. Well, you have to protect yourself first, sort of like when you're on an airplane and they tell you to put your mask on because when you protect yourself, you can also protect your kids. Absolutely. And that was the final step for me. 100%. The other thing we, we kind of talk about the divorce rate. It's, it's over 50% or it depends on what you read. It's around 50%. But, um, we think that if people have the right tools and they really want to make it work, that we can reduce that rate to 15%, but nowhere do we say zero because there's because some marriages just aren't, so they, they won't work. Right. I mean, and I think abusive relationships are that way. I, I would tell people to get out. And one of the big concepts we talk about in our book, Kim is loving yourself. We, we asked the question early on in there, you know, who's the love of your life? And a lot of people will answer their partners, but we would say it should be you. And as long as you're taking care of yourself and loving yourself, it's harder to let that. It to, I think it, it makes it more difficult if you're loving yourself and taking care of yourself. You won't tolerate the abuse. You'll get out easier. I think Absolutely. it's, I think that's one of the main concepts that we believe that it, you know, loving yourself is probably the most wonderful thing you can do for yourself. And it's also critical to having healthy relationships. Oh, absolutely. My husband laughs because I'll ask him the question, oh, have I told you the story about da 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 before? And he's like, oh yeah, about 19 times. Listeners, (laughs) I know I do some of the same to you too. But the, the day that I was introduced to the law of attraction completely changed my life because I had been walking around with a dark cloud and let letting every circumstance, but especially my ex-husband control how I was feeling and, and letting him affect, you know, through his criticisms and everything, letting him control what I thought about myself. But that day when I realized that I had the power and the right to be happy, that day when he got home from work and he started in, I just looked at him and smiled. I'm not sure that I recommend that course of action, <laughs> but <laughs> I was going to say, how did that go over? <laughs> um, he just looked at me and he said, why are you smiling? And I said, because you no longer have the power to dictate how I feel. And he was never physically abusive to me. However, I know if he was physically abusive, that would have been probably a trigger, but it all went up from there. And from that point, that's where I learned self-respect I was, let me think, I was almost 30 years old by that point, and I had never had self-respect before. And I don't think, you know, it's funny that self-respect, I don't think we're really taught to, I don't think we're ever taught how to create that for ourselves. I think it's something that, you know, I, I mean, me, myself too, like, I mean, it's taken so many years before I have learned what self self-love I mean self-love and self-respect are a lot are you know very closely aligned oh yeah absolutely yeah 
And about the only thing we're taught when it comes to self-respect is, especially girls are, you know, don't give up the goods. <laughs> Respect yourself. Oh, absolutely. But it goes so much further deeper than that when you're talking about self-love. So much deeper. Yeah. I'm and unfortunately, self-respect. yeah, thank you. Especially for little girls too. I mean, there's Barbie is getting better in my opinion, but she's the, the journey of Barbie is not totally there yet. Little girls have to be taught that it's not all about how they look. It's, it's how they treat others. It's how they, how they treat themselves. It's not about the clothes that they wear. It's, you know, they can be brilliant individuals. And even if they're not the smartest, I know there's a good expression out there right now, but I can't remember it. The sharpest, sharpest tool in the shed. Yes, thank you. Even if they're not the <laughs> sharpest tool in the shed, they are still worth uh, proper treatment and respect from others. So, yeah, they're still worthy of love. We're all children of God. Yeah, absolutely. My first husband was actually my high school sweetheart. And I've seen this happen for a couple of our nieces, my husband and my nieces as well. They started dating a boy in high school and they were concerned, you know, that was it. If they weren't with him, then there was never going to be another person. And although my first husband and I didn't get married until after college, it it was more because we found ourselves pregnant and our nieces did the same thing. Listeners, if you are young, if you are in high school and you're feeling this way, don't feel this way. I didn't meet my husband, who is undoubtedly my soulmate, until I was 31, 32. And we've told our boys they're not allowed to get married until they're 32. We don't care if they have a girlfriend until then, because then they'll actually know themselves. Yeah, and I think that's so important, what you're talking about, knowing yourself. And I also... You know, I'm just, I'm a little, it's funny because I think society also kind of tries to pressure you into staying with, the, with one person. You know, I think there's that, I, that, you know, idea like, oh, if you were, you know, your first love is your true love and isn't that beautiful. But I don't, I don't think all of us are fortunate enough to meet our first loves in high school or when we're young, you know, but like you said, I mean, Patrick was 29 when we met. I think I was 23. And um, that's 28. Well, whatever. She's always trying to make me older. <laughs> well, he is older. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't. And I had also had I had also found myself pregnant after in college like you and had was married before uh, only for a very short, um, a short period of time. But yeah, I mean, and that certainly wasn't my soulmate either. So I think it's good advice to say, hang, you know, hold out for somebody that you really click with. And, and uh, learn, learn how to love and respect yourself completely and expect that from whoever the other person may be. I mean, it, to me, it's, it's not so much about age. It's just, it takes a long time to get to that point. So. Oh, absolutely. I remember I was sitting in my office. Um, I had a business at that time if you can call it that. I mean, I was barely making a quarter a day, but I'd watched the bucket list and then ended up, ended up creating my soulmate spec sheet. And these were the things that I needed if I, if I was ever going to date again. And it, they weren't huge things, but it was a matter of 
respecting me and respecting my children. And Tony Robbins wrote a list of everything that he was looking for in his life. And look where he is now. I don't think it's unfair to challenge everybody who's listening today to write a list of what you're looking for in your life, what you're looking for out of your significant other. And if you're already with someone and they're not matching up, then have that conversation because communication and conversation is so important. So much is shoved under the rugs. Did you see that? Definitely. I I think um, communicating your just your basic needs often goes by the wayside. Or maybe you second guess them before you even get them out. And I think there's also this um, idea that if you're with someone and you've been with them for a little while, that they should know what you need. They should know what you want and you expect them to do those things. And I, you know, it's not fair to ask somebody to read your mind. (laughs) Oh, absolutely not. I mean, my husband has figured out that there's like one time of the month that he should bring home some chocolate. (laughs) Smart man. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I was actually my 11 year old. No, my 12 year old and I were just discussing it last night. He's like, Mom, did you know there's a chocolate bar in the fridge? I'm sorry, listeners. I know this is TMI. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's that's mine. And it's being saved for the right time. He's like, what do you mean? So I had to explain to him that he's like, so does every woman need chocolate? I was like, no, but when you meet your woman, you're going to have to figure out what her chocolate is. He's like, okay. And it's, I would, I would also help any men listeners that are out there that for our relationship, I would say quarterly, you need two chocolate bars. And a beer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to argue that at all. Oh my goodness. But actually, and, and we don't fight very often, but just, just recently I had to express that, you know, if not every week, if not once a week, but maybe once a month, it would be nice if I could sleep past seven o'clock. Oh, yeah. That's a luxury with, with as many children as you have and your busy life. So that's awesome. And I'm, so you asked him for that? Yeah, it hasn't quite happened yet because he can sleep through anything. So I've been sort of like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's in the morning. You gently pat him. Remember how I really need one night. One morning this month. Just one morning would be awesome. You know, shut the bedroom door and take them to the other side of the house and let me sleep in. That would be you got it. so if fantastic. You if you have a 12 year old, they're probably going to sleep until you wake them up. So he just needs to get up, set his alarm one morning, jump up, get the, the young kids out of the house, take them somewhere for breakfast and let you sleep in. Yeah. There's a tip for him. Yeah. Saturday's good. <laughs> exactly so this is a nosy question but what was the what was the click of you two realizing that the divorce papers were not being turned in and you were getting back together um well i had so throughout the course of our separation sex really wasn't a problem for us in fact we we always i mean the best sex i've ever had has been with sam and Mine has been with Patty too. So I, she allowed me to seduce her several times over that time period. We, we stayed. Meaning we had sex while we were separated still. Yeah. And we stayed we, because we had kids Just to make together. it really clear. Yeah. And because we had kids together, we were 
we stayed pretty good friends. We were always good friends anyway, but we we didn't want to be if we were going to separate and, and then divorce, we didn't want to be the kind of parents that fought or talked shit about each other in front of our kids. And so we we stayed on pretty good terms, which made the seduction pretty easy. And we also were in constant contact about, you know, we decided to make joint decisions when it came to the kids. And so, you know, we talked a lot still. Yeah. And I, I saved my bitterness for when she wasn't around. Um, but so I guess... I don't know, about 11 and a half months into our separation, I had a, I'd booked this couple's massage at a ski resort and, um, I booked it like, I think I bought it on Groupon or something. So it was just kind of sitting there. And, um, I, I asked Sam if she wanted to go up, she was in town. She's like, I'll be in town Saturday. And then she called me Friday afternoon and said, Oh, I guess I'm going to be in town a day early if you want to go have dinner or something. And I'm like, well, I have this couple's massage. You want to go? And I'm like, I'm going to seduce her up there. It's going to be awesome. And, uh, and he did, (laughs) but we ended up having, we talked all night. We had this awesome night where we kind of realized that, you know, both of us had owned a lot of the crap that had kept us apart. So, and she was ready to, my business was taken off. She was, she was ready to like potentially retire for a little while and just be a mom. And that was huge for me. So, yeah. And I got myself to the point where I knew I could be happy with or without her. I chose, I mean, with was my first choice because of our kids. And um, and because you thought I was awesome. Well, yeah, that, that part too. <laughs> anyway, so we decided to, to give it another shot. But because we came at it from a completely different angle than before, and we knew and communicated a lot of um, what we needed going forward and then continue to grow, that part made it even easier. Yeah, and Patrick, I mean, when when we split up, you know, I felt overwhelmed by my my responsibilities as the mother, as the household taker, you know, the care of the household, as also the, you know, main provider and the fact that Pat had kind of got his shit together and figured out his business that um that was that was awesome and I felt it was yeah, I was really proud of him and I also thought that was really attractive, you know, for him not, I, I felt so, it seemed so heavy when we were married and it was great to have this burden lifted that I didn't have to do and be everything to everybody. He was going to be stepping up. How old were your kids then when you went through this year? I think they were, started out eight and 12 and maybe finished nine and 13. Yeah, that sounds about right. And when and during our year apart, we were really apart. I moved to Spain. I had an opportunity to work in um, Barcelona, and I took the kids with me for part of that time. And then we had some visa issues. They ended up having to come home. But I mean, we were we sat apart. It was pretty far. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And have they ever talked about how they've seen things change with you? And have they recognized a lot of the changes? No, they mostly just complain. (laughs) The kids. (laughs) I don't. don't, You know, it's funny. I don't. We've. I don't think either one of them's even read our book. Yeah, I don't think they have either. They're like, ooh, gross. We don't want to (laughs) know. Yeah. They're they're millennials, so they spend 
I hope they don't listen to this podcast, but they spend a lot of time kind of focusing on themselves and their world. Okay. And I'm, I'm glad they do that. But I think as kids, there was a lot of, I think they were relieved that we got back together, but I don't remember them being like elated or, you know, yeah. it was kind of like, oh, good. Whatever. <laughs> well, I never realized with my boys, um, I have two boys from my first marriage. They're 12 and 15. I never realized how much our marriage my marriage to their dad really affected them because like they don't even like driving down the road that we all lived on together because it just brings back bad memories for them. With that said, I do want to say that my ex has changed tremendously. I can't say he's done a full 180 or 360 or whatever the appropriate degree would be. They still have issues with him, but the abuse is gone for the most part. And so they do uh, spend 50% of the time with him. However, they don't want to be down that road physically or emotionally. And they'll talk about how they remember all the fighting and and they just remember it. And they can see the change in our house. And, well, I hope that their dad and new, new stepmom don't listen to this too. But, I mean, they'll even say to us, about all the fighting that goes on in that house. And I mean, it's nothing as far as I know, compared to what it was between their dad and I, but I don't think as parents that we also often think about what it or how it does impact our kids because they are learning. They're learning fighting instead of communication. And it's sad. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, Yeah. It's interesting because we would say, you know, a lot of people try to stay together. They try to save marriages um, because of the children. And I, I, you know, if it's too far gone, if it can't, if you can't create a loving, supportive environment in your home, I think that's something else where you just got to get out. I mean, it doesn't, you know, being as, you know, you are a testament to being apart is probably is better for, for your, for your boys than, than being together. Especially if, if the apart, you know, looks like still co-parenting, still being on the same page, still not letting each other talk crap about, well, yourself, talk crap about the other spouse um, to your kids, in front of your kids, letting them see any of that drama. If there's a way to keep it friendly and on the same page, then your kids really aren't, they're, they're going to be fine. Yeah, and they, they are happier when you're happier. Exactly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. My ex and I now talk more now than we did when we were <laughs> married. So if one... I think that was true. Yeah. Patty and I went during our year apart also. <laughs> I mean, if one of them is in trouble at one of our houses, the other house knows almost instantaneously because we'll get a text. Hey, was so-and-so, you know, having issues today? Because I see my kids every day except for the weekends that they're at their dad's. They come here every day after school until their dad gets home from work, which is a pain in the butt some days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listeners, I cannot record podcasts. Let's tune into the next blooper reel and you'll hear why I cannot record podcasts when my kids are, the older kids are at home. But yeah, I know. And we can, we can easily coordinate who's doing what as far as sports events and who's 
taking the kid to the tournament and handling orchestra concerts and all that. And, and we can do it with ease now, but every part of our marriage should be able to be done with ease. Finances was probably one of our hardest parts. And that's a big change from where we, my husband Dave and I are at now. Finances have been definitely more of a struggle with Dave, but Patrick, as you were talking about before, you know, focus on the things that we can change and don't worry about the rest. Right. I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes there's just a bill that can't be paid. Yeah. And I would, I would agree with that, except the, for the finances part. And I'm the guy that will be like, it'll be fine. We don't have to pay that now. I already know we have a 30 day grace period and all this. And Sam will be completely freaking out about it. But, um, yeah, well, and it's funny. Fi- so finances is one of the top things that couples fight about. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, it, well, a lot of people will say that they're the opposites of their partners and that, and that's kind of, you know, by design, I think, because we help balance each other out. What's interesting about finances is that if you, if you marry someone who isn't your financial um, opposite, one partner will start to lean towards being your financial opposite because it's required. So for example, if Patty and I were both spenders, that's what I call Pat. Patty, if Patty and I were both spenders, one of us would soon start to lean towards not spending as much because you have to, it's for survival. So even if you came into a relationship and you were financially completely on the same page, you had the same kind of financial profile as far as risk and spending, it 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 will evolve to the point where you actually will be um, somewhat opposite. And so it's, it, it's one of those things that is constant conflict. And I don't know that it ever goes away. It's all about staying in conversation until you agree to it. You just gave me so much clarity because that's exactly what happened here. (laughs) I leaned into the controller and all the bills are on my plate. So it feels sometimes like it's all my worry about where the money's going to come from. Whereas my husband has access to mm-hmm. the cards and will spend. Oh, it's going to be okay. Oh, it's going to be okay. Yep. No, sometimes I just want to take his cards away. That's. <laughs> so we have a process that we kind of go through on a yearly basis. And then we try to look at our, we're not very good at, we're not very disciplined about it. Um, but where we try to look at our financials, you know, weekly's awesome, monthly's monthly's good, but but every year we try to talk about what our top values are and then our goals for the year. Individually, we do this separately and then we come together and try to figure out jointly if we can agree on what like the top three to five values and goals are. And then when it comes to spending money, if it isn't kind of in alignment with those values and goals, we don't do it. Um, and sometimes your values and goals is saving money, right? You're saving money for your retirement. You're saving monies for kids' college. And so then that can help curb the spending and also kind of, you know, avoid a lot of conflict because you've already agreed on high level, very high level, how it's all going to shake out. If you can do it with regularity, um, which is the hard part because it's, somewhere between pulling your own teeth um having your skin peeled back and going over the financials is you know so, yeah pat loves loves it 
yeah, it's not fun, but it's kind of running the, it's running the business of your life. How did you just describe that again? Peeling my skin back and, or pulling your own teeth. Uh, yeah, that's about how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. So actually I just don't discuss it. That's how we build it up that it might feel, but it's never as bad as we think it is. In fact, every time I do it, I'm like, why don't we do this more often? Because I feel a little charged and I'm excited. We're on the same page. Well, within the year before my husband and I got together, he was homeless and living out of his car in Fargo, North Dakota in the middle of winter. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So his comeback to any struggle that we've had is always, well, I know what it's like to be homeless and you know, what we're dealing with right now is nothing similar. We'll be okay. Well, but the point of us taking care of this right now is so that the seven of us won't be homeless. So one of the, um, one of the biggest hurdles that we both had to get over was that when money comes in, it doesn't mean that it needs to get spent right away. So let's start raising our zero. And actually I had a business coach who helped me with that. He's like, Kim, you need to start raising your zero. So even just taking $20 out of the invoices that were paid or out of the paychecks and putting them in a safe spot, putting those little fives or tens into, you know, a tin. When we started seeing that money accumulate, it felt so good knowing, oh my gosh, we made it to a weekend with more than 34 cents in our account. Yay. There's a great book called The Richest Man in Babylon that, um, because Patty and I, you know, we, we work a lot on trying to create the lives that we want. And so that means for us to be financially free where we can spend our time doing things we love instead of having to trade hours for dollars. And that book is brilliant at getting, at helping you think about money in a different way, which is pay yourself first and then you pay all of your bills. So that means you're stashing away. I think in that book, they recommend 10%, but whatever it is so that, and that, and then once you have accumulated enough of that, then you can invest it. So those dollars are making you dollars. And anyway, I'd I highly recommend everybody do like you said, even if it's 20 bucks, you know, it's something pay, pay yourself first. It's a great book. And it doesn't have to be all about saving also. I mean, if traveling is very important to you and you love to do it as a family and you want to do two trips a year and set a budget for what those trips are going to look like. And so when you pay yourself first, you might put 15 bucks in the savings bin and five in the travel bin. I love that. We haven't even taken our honeymoon yet. We've been married almost six years. You need a honeymoon bin. Yeah, you need a honeymoon tin. I never, and I never even took a honeymoon with my first husband. It's time. You're due. I've been watching Lion King all weekend. I hear it is time. I love the Lion <laughs> King. Is the is there a new one now? I heard there's a new one coming out. Um, total tangent, listeners. But you know that's what happens on the Positive Productivity <laughs> Podcast. No, you can actually get the original Lion King on Amazon Prime now and watch it digitally. And that was this my son's is, favorite movie. Yeah, it came out uh long well, time it ago. came out he's actually 24. when I was in high school. Yeah. He's yeah. 24, so. <laughs> yeah, and then the original release on or the re-release onto DVD happened when my son, my oldest was just one or two, mm-hmm. and now they've just re-released it again. But I have to say I do not recommend Lion King 2. That was just like a yawner. One and a half is okay, but yeah, 
Amazon. And with all of our littles now, it's sort of so funny to see, you know, these movies coming back out because you have to wait until they re-release them. But they're loving all these and and we don't buy DVDs. I don't even know if they sell DVD players anymore. We just buy it all digitally so that we don't have to worry about scratch discs. Thankfully, oh, yeah. we don't have to, to worry about VHS them. tapes anymore. Yeah, or where to put them. We used to have a whole bunch of DVDs and it was always a mess over there. Right. Oh, I yeah, had... because then the kids would rip apart Get the whole out. shelf. Yeah. Get them out. They'd be all over the floor. And yeah. I got excited because I had, we had a, I don't know, at one point, we, I think we had over a thousand DVDs, but we were having a garage sale and I was like, I'm going to sell all these DVDs for like two bucks a piece. We'll make $500, you know, or actually 2000 But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, it was it was like eighty percent of the cases didn't have a DVD in them, or it was cracked in there, <laughs> it was too scratched to use. And I'm like, dang it! Yeah, absolutely. I know how that feels. I, we've got all these great movies on DVD, and half of them just go straight in the trash when we find them. Mm-hmm. This has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today, and I, I feel like we me. yeah, you are so welcome. I feel like we should have a part two. Because I feel like we've only started to scratch the surface. With... We're totally in. Okay, awesome. Where can <laughs> listeners connect with you, find out more about what you're doing, and get in touch? We have a Facebook page called Bigger Love Book. Um, we have a Twitter account called Bigger Love Book. And we have a website called BiggerLoveBook.com. Fabulous. We try to make it easy. Oh, thank you. And when the book's for sale, when the book's for sale on Amazon, uh, Kindle, and audible great listeners if you're driving or unable to write that down right now you can find all the show notes including the links and eventually a transcription at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp216 again that's thekimsutton.com forward slash pp216 patrick and sam thank you so much again do you have a last piece of parting advice or golden nugget that you can offer to listeners we didn't get to this but I would tell you to um, have more sex with your partner. <laughs> that'll be that'll be the preview to part two of our conversation. This is the second. I don't normally chime in during the golden nugget, but I would have to agree. <laughs> well, she stole mine. Um... That's what he said. <laughs> I'd I'd say, you know, we and we we touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but. Um, you and you can't truly give somebody the love that they need until you have filled up your own love cup. So definitely love yourself. Ooh.